Welcome back to episode 64 of Chess Journeys, Tales of Adult Improvement, where we seek to not only highlight the glories of ratings gain, but also dive into the plateaus and even below the pits of despair. If you want to support the show, you can go to Patreon Chess Journeys. I'd like to thank Jay Tuttle, Jay Garrison, Donna Rich Burgess, Brandon Hallside, David Schreiber, and Lindsay Newhall. You can also get merch by uh, using the link in the show notes. I mean, who doesn't want to show up to their tournament or playing hall with a dude climbing a mountain, saying chess journeys, like everyone wants that. Um, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Chessable. I am at two days now. Yeah, that's right. I lost my streak, then I re-lost my streak, then I re-lost it again, but I'm back. Um, I'm still working through the Checkmate Patterns Manual, and still somehow, shockingly, I've gone through this thing like a thousand times and I missed tons of them. So I don't know what is happening, but yeah, I'm still working on it. I'm still trying to get better. The nice thing is I'm seeing them in my games way more often now. Well, until maybe today, I'm sure we'll get into that. Uh, but also you can do all kinds of stuff on Chessable. You can do openings work, endings work, middle game, whatever you want. I have about a million courses. I love them all. Also the secret, this is the secret. Don't tell anyone. I'm telling you the secret. The secret is, you can make your own openings course. This is what I always do. I, I actually will build my own openings course because these opening courses with 8 trillion lines, that, that's a little much for me. So I build my own um, and I think it works great. All right. If you want to appear on the show, fill out the Google form in the show notes. We all want to hear your story. And it's time to bring on our guest of the moment, our guest of today. We've got Marcus. He's an avid chess improver. He's a programmer and he's even put his skills to work with his cool website, chessmodra.com, that I've been checking out quite a bit in the last two days. So I'd like to welcome the show, Marcus. Marcus, how are you doing, and have you played any chess yet today? Hey, Kevin. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Um, I went for a long swim this morning, got some chess practice in, done with work for the day. So yeah, feeling good, and I have played some chess. Just one game, but it was uh, I was at 1895, had to get over to that 1900 uh barrier so and i won it it was a quick uh game played the smith mora got like a big advantage out of the opening uh and with a fun finish where i sacked a queen from eight so uh yeah really good day so far wow that sounds like the best day ever um was yeah <laughs> let's rapid classical what, what were you playing in I, I pretty much only play rapid, uh, although I do uh, a thing where I, I think it's sort of common where blitz is like my uh, throwaway kind of rating. You okay. know, you play blitz when you're not uh, all too focused or whatever. So um, yeah. mostly just rapid. Uh, okay. But now I can't play any more games because uh, I'll risk going below 1900. So yeah, now you just uh, have to yeah. I don't know. It's like a monkey brain thing, you know, like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can go from 1880 to like 1810 and not care at all. But if I yep. go from like 1902 to 1895, it's like everything's falling apart. Yeah, yeah. I think these are one of the trickiest things about ratings is that it's so easy to tell ourselves like, it's fine. Ratings don't matter until we hit that threshold that we're like, oh, I did it. Right. And I don't want to exactly. go below it. And you're like, no, man, actually, yeah, yeah. 1900 doesn't matter either. Like, I hate to say it, right. <laughs> but unless you're like 2700, yeah. none of it matters. Just keep playing and your brain. Right. Is like, no, 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 exactly. no. Oh, I got no, it. No, no, I have to stay at 1900. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess the question is, are you going to start a new account or are you going to keep playing? Uh, yeah, I guess I, I guess I just have to start a whole new account. Um, yeah, that's the obvious. Unless choice. I calibrate below 1900, then that would be heartbreaking. Then I have to go back, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Is this on Lee Chess or or Chess.com? Uh, Lee Chess, yeah. 
Okay. I was really hoping you were gonna say no, it's on Yahoo Chess or some some like other <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's cool. Yeah. Well, congratulations. I've also played one game today. It didn't go as well for me though. I played my seven-year-old. She wanted to play as we ate breakfast. She was it's it's so cool because she was eating fruit loops. And I'm eating like Wheaties. So it's like the responsible adult versus the child eating the Fruit Loops. And um, I'm yeah. crushing her. And she hangs her queen. And I let her take it back. And now I'm like, I've just gone into overconfidence mode. I'm like, whatever, this this game is over. Let's. I got an interview in 10 minutes. We got to wrap this thing up. And um, she hangs a bishop. And I was like, okay, I see she has an attack on me. And that's cool. That's how she plays. She mm -hmm. plays all out attacks, but it's not a real attack. I'm going to take this bishop and I'm going to win. And I take her bishop, check, I move my king over, queen goes to the back row, and I realize I take with my queen. She takes with a rook and she's got a back row mate. I just lost. Oh, no. Oh, my. Yeah, I definitely got to keep going with the checkmate patterns manual you've been talking about. And that's the one that. <laughs> I do puzzle rush and they give you that like eight times yeah. puzzle rush. And you're like, dude, I got right, it. Right. Yeah. Enough of this. <laughs> give me anyone but this. Yeah. <laughs> now right, I I'll never miss this. The sting of losing to the puzzle rush, mate. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so I will say this though. I was able to wipe away the tears of sadness with tears of joy because my seven year old is dancing around. The only problem, though, is she does this thing now where she'll be like, I'm kind of better at you than chess now. Like, let's just be real. Like, maybe I should coach you. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, this will give her. Well, that, then you got to. Go ahead. You got to keep reminding her about that queen you gave her back then. Yeah, so this is what I did. Yeah, at least you got that. Watch, yeah. watch, watch this teaching moment, Mark. <laughs> right. I said this. I said, just imagine a game in which you had just slowed down and taken your time and not rush to make that queen move. Imagine how good this game would have felt if you hadn't hung that queen. And she was like, right. I got to slow down. So, so maybe we'll get several victories, right? She gets the moral victory of the win. Yeah. She starts slowing down her game. Oh my goodness. Then she'd been unstoppable, which is kind of scary. All right, Marcus. Well, enough about my daughter. We could talk about her for 10 hours. Um, let's start with this. I always like to ask the same question to begin What's your current life situation? What is helping you in your chess journey? What's taking away time from your chess? What's, what's your life looking like these days? Yeah, um, so I'm a programmer. I work at a small startup. Uh, I've been working remotely and traveling around uh, with my girlfriend for the past three years or so. Um, kind of as soon as the pandemic hit, we started doing this digital nomad kind of thing. Um, we spent about half the year in Spain, uh, which we are currently, and half the year in the US. Um, it's uh, definitely been great for chess. I uh, have a lot more time than when I was doing uh, in-office work. So uh, that's been good. Um, and now I've recently even switched to part-time. So definitely have a surplus of time to spend on chess. Although most of that time has actually been going towards like chess projects and not so much mm -hmm. practicing, but I still play plenty. Nice. It's funny because whenever I think of someone saying I work for a small startup, I envision them like chained to a desk for 22 hours a day trying to keep the thing from going right under, and their boss going if you don't get this thing working today we go and lose everything <laughs> maybe, maybe i've got that yeah wrong. it was definitely like that for the for the first year or so it was definitely like that like 12 hour days like weekends too and it was just like just uh but then you know covid happened kind of killed their business model and mm -hmm. so uh just 
uh it's changed quite a bit since since then okay yeah. interesting stuff um i guess since we're here like we're talking about your current situation let's ask about your projects like i'm really impressed and interested i started working with um chess madra a few days ago i really like the the visualization slash the climb where it's like it's like regular puzzles but but you know you're supposed to think them out ahead of time but you know some people don't and you make them <laughs> yeah, so yeah what was the reasoning for uh coming up with this uh right yeah I, I was uh so i'd been doing a lot of chess training and uh part of that had been like visualization stuff um and there's a few like resources out there for it so b study has a good um setup for it um there's a couple like courses on chessable that i've done uh, there's like a visualized one through five kind of series um but i had various like complaints about all of them uh just like little things and so uh i thought i could maybe do it a little bit better um so yeah the, the whole idea is like it shows you position it says like okay these are the next like four moves uh, and it'll even like visualize them a bit on the board but not like play them out and then uh, it'll be like what's the tactic here uh, and it's like customizable so you can say how many moves you want to visualize and stuff so uh i i found that i was struggling with visualization a lot i'd like try to do a tactic and not realize that like you know a pawn move like opened up by a diagonal or something like that so i wanted to like more explicitly train that um, yeah. in general i'm always looking for like novel ways to train chess because i think like the ways of training chess currently are sort of sort of limited i guess it's like you either do tactics or you read a book or i don't know mm -hmm. yeah. yeah i mean the visualization thing what you just what you just said happened in my otb game this last week i had we got in a time scramble i was losing horribly i was able to get counterplay mm -hmm. and i had a mate in seven which you know i what like it was a pretty forced mate, but and there were two approaches, okay, yeah. and I took the wrong approach because of exactly what you said. I forgot that that gotcha. that was covering the king's escape square was moving in the process of this puzzle. Uh, right. I only had a minute. I couldn't like you know keep double checking. It was like I I had time to do like one analysis here, one analysis here. This one works, boom, and then we get there, and he's like, "I escaped my king over here," and I was like, right. "You have got to be kidding me!" And it was one of those things where it went from like right. I was yeah. minus two, yeah. to plus seven, to equal, and then uh, <laughs> two moves later, he resigned in an equal position, <laughs> and everyone watching. Uh, <laughs> wild game. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those. We each had thirty seconds, and he thought I had stabilized yeah. the past pawn, but but I totally get your point that like that um the visualization part is that to me feels like the next step for me, right? Like I can calculate pretty well, but it's, it's the visualizing um, nature of calculation that can be the tricky piece of it. Yeah, so for sure. What yeah. uh, you also have stuff on here, like um, colors, like, like you mark colors on the board and you ask which color it is. I realized I'm terrible at that. So I'm tempted to be like, yeah, it's surprisingly it's hard. Pointless. If I'm bad at it, it's pointless. So why is it not pointless? <laughs> I I have no idea why it's not pointless. Honestly, um, I I guess I so when I started uh, like taking chess more seriously, I had this like idea that if I could like perfectly visualize the board in my mind and see all the diagonals and everything, mm. uh, then that would help in some way. Yeah. Um, and like so, I I was thinking of it, and I'm like, I think of like B five. I'm like, wait, is that? light or dark can my dark square can my light square bishop on f1 can that go to b5 mm -hmm. um 
And I, I don't think that's really how it works that like by knowing these colors or anything, like I think I've gone past that at this point, but it's still on the website. Um, Cause like, I don't know, I guess you just know that the F1 Bishop can go to B5 eventually, you know, you, you see it happen mm -hmm. enough in, in openings and stuff that like, you know, you don't have to envision the board. I don't know. So <laughs> that one's, that one's not, uh, I don't know, one of my, one of the better ones on the site. It, yeah. It's funny because I'm going to be using it because I'm so embarrassed. Um, but yeah, it's funny. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. I also can't visualize the board well at all if I'm not in front of it. Like, that's just not how my brain works. I can't just close my eyes and the board appears before me. Uh, so I'm just like, right. terrible at blindfold chess. So this might help me. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Try it out. Get back to me. See if it's, yeah. see if it's actually good at training. Or I'll not. let you know. So um, but yeah, I'm terrible at blindfold chess too. Um, I spend most of my time on the opening trainer nowadays. Um, mm. Cause it, uh, I don't know. Have you checked that out at all? I did just the tiniest bit, but it was like, I had to do work to get that set up. Cause I got to like put in yeah, the thing exactly. I want to yeah, do. Yeah. And I was right, like, I could right. just do the climb. I don't want to do work right now. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. Um, so like the whole, uh, I guess the value add there is like, um, I don't know, you mentioned in the, in the intro, these like uh, chessboard courses with trillions of lines and stuff. Um, and some of them, like you know, I was doing like Nepo's King's Gambit lifetime repertoire. And I've done a couple of lifetime repertoires or at least, you know, gotten uh, into them a little bit. And like, I looked up some of the lines and like some of them have like literally never happened at my level. Um, mm -hmm. So what I want is a way to be like, okay, give me every like line that will happen in more than 10% of my games or 5% of my games or whatever, you know? Um, because the existing tools are kind of like, do you want to go five moves deep or 10 moves deep? But like, you might want to go 10 moves deep in the most popular line and no moves deep in the, in the least popular line or whatever. Mm -hmm. So um, that was kind of the inspiration behind it. So it'll tell you where your like biggest miss is in your repertoire. Like, uh, hey, this position that's going to happen 10% of the time, you don't have an answer for it. Like, here are some possible answers for it. Um, it's still a work in progress, but that's kind of the, the idea. And then it uses spaced repetition, kind of like chessful, you know, to uh, wow. quiz you on what you're opening. Sounds awesome. It looks like... I'm I'm seeing the options are like from scratch, so you can just build it right here or import um, your repertoire already from another location. So it sounds like I can use my Lee Chess studies and just import it in right there. Right, yeah. Or you can export a PGN of like your chessful opening courses, um, which like mm -hmm. is, is a, I definitely like that approach too. I used to do that, making my own chessful course. It's definitely a good recommendation. Yeah, this sounds really cool. I love this idea of, especially at your level right because that's like it, it's so funny i was doing right. i was a nidorf player and i got geary's nidorf chessable course and what i realized from that course is that i don't actually know anything about the nidorf despite having played it for as long as i did and so my response was yeah. i'm just gonna drop the nidorf <laughs> rather than just saying like <laughs> okay gotcha, I, gotcha. I can't use geary's yeah. course it's above me I need to build a course that's more suited to my level, which it sounds like something I could do with your website. Right, potentially, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting with the Nidorf. It's like as black with the Nidorf at like, you know, 1500 kind of level, you're actually, this is something I was just looking up recently for some reason, you're actually only expected to even get the Nidorf like 15% of the time. Yeah. You know? So that's if you're putting like this much effort into this, it's like, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's as black. So like you're only black half the time. So like seven percent of your games, you're gonna like be able to get the night dwarf. You know? Yeah, so it's tough it's to justify. So I was doing the night dwarf too for a while. Yeah, they're yeah. like e4, and I'm like, <laughs> right, yeah, play the open, do it. E5, right? And they're like, do you like uh the alpin? And you're like, no. And they're like, do you like the close? No, no. Like, no. What are we doing here? <laughs> 
<laughs> give me the open yeah exactly yeah that drove me nuts yeah I, that that was one of my happiest moments was when i switched to an opening that i would see every time as black when they played e4 so it's just like it's a whole different way to approach chess right right like, i will see this opening period versus i don't know i spent two thousand hours on geary's course and i get it seven percent of the time <laughs> like this this is right, not right. Like so what opening are you doing now now i'm playing the carol con okay nice yeah nice. and the other thing for me is i had played e4 myself and the Nidorf and was a very uh, tactically oriented player. And I realized that I knew nothing about positional chess or end games because okay. I didn't need to, right? Like these were yeah, yeah. fireworks would happen. The end games that I would get would be like, you're down three pawns and you're like, cool, that is an end game. I can <laughs> usually win. Um, and so switching to the Caro really helped me, I think, plug some holes in my, just in my chess game like now most of the games are positional most of the games go to end games unless you know i blunder uh, okay interesting my child so yeah it's, it's been uh it's been yeah, a I've had a similar experience I've, I've switched from uh king's gambit to uh just playing normal like uh i don't know knight of three like spanish kind of stuff mm-hmm. um and definitely has changed how my games go because before i was either you know winning by move 20 or uh you know i had an awful end game um and now it's actually you know i gotta play normal chess (laughs) i had a recent guest um he got to master playing king's gambit like that's just wow mind-boggling like you have to be so good (laughs) master yeah wild is that like fm or like i am or or what Um, does master mean no no this is national master so he's he's 2200 yeah yeah Yeah, impressive yeah and that seemed to be the ceiling which maybe makes sense. Maybe yeah. it can only get you to 2200. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Maybe. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, You stuff. certainly don't see it past that much. Yeah. Um. What, what about your uh, background, your origin story? Did you play chess as a child? Did you just pick it up with the chess boom? What's your chess life look like? Yeah, I played a little bit of chess in high school. My group of friends started playing it. Um, no one really tried to improve at all. We just would play blitz games or bullet games, uh, and we were all terrible. I think the highest we were, one of us was like twelve hundred. I think I was like eleven 1, hundred. Um, so played it a little bit, uh, and then kind of dropped it for like ten years. Would do some tactics every now and then because it was a fun way to waste some time, and then uh, picked back up like two years ago, um, and then tried to like hit it, hit the ground running pretty hard. Actually, like you know, got a coach and did all sorts of books and training and stuff. And kind of for six months, it was, you know, like my main priority uh, to uh, gain rating points. I got rating obsessed. Yeah. Okay. So you came back about two years ago. Is that like Queen's Gambit COVID time is kind of slipping away from me now? Uh, yeah, I guess it would have been COVID time. I had watched Queen's Gambit before it, um, but I think the main motivation was that uh, my friend had kept playing since high school and he had gotten quite good. He's like 2050 on Lee Chess. Um, and we played a couple of games and he, he just like obviously crushed me and that gave me some motivation to be like, that'd be cool if I could like play at his level. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Were you upset at all? You're like, this could be me if I hadn't stopped. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why didn't I devote the last 10 years of my life to this? I know. It could have been so good. Yeah. yeah. I, I I took almost 20 years off and I have a friend. He oh, was wow. my level 
when we left we were the same level and he peaked at 2000 and i'm like what like i wow. don't think i don't think i'll hit 2000 uscf i'm gonna try but like that seems that seems hard um it now he's very he's tough back yeah. down at his floor now though of 1800 and it's it's tough it's tough being at your floor uh, okay you know all yeah, the kids yeah. see that and they're like yes this is the one i want to play. <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, yeah, that must be brutal in over-the-board tournaments. At least I don't know what I'm playing online that the guy I'm playing is like eight years old. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, my goodness. In-person tournaments are wild with this. It's like they're, the last tournament I went to was a, was a big open, and my section was half little kids and half adults. And for like the first yeah. round, for some reason, most of the adults were paired against each other and most of the kids. And then in like the fourth round, I was just looking across the boards and it was all adults on one side and all kids on the other side. And yeah. Like, ooh, is this going to be one of those rounds? Who, who won, and kids or adults? I don't know. I went one and one against the kids that I faced. So, okay. But I mean, the one I lost to was way higher rated than me. I, he was like 1950 or something and I was only 1650. So, oh. like, if I had beaten him, it would have been yeah. kind of remarkable. And then, then the person I beat, she was only about 1570. So technically I was supposed to beat her, but she's, you know, like one, one of the country's best 10 year olds or something like that. So I was like, okay. Right. Yeah. And I, and they're like allegedly all like chronically underrated, you know, with COVID and everything, yeah. you know, everyone's practicing in the, in the pandemic. And then now they're just way better than the rating. Exactly. And I've done this thing though, that I didn't even realize I was, I was doing is I've, I've constructed this like opening repertoire that messes with little kids because it's really okay. kind of slow and i can yeah. see them like start to lose focus after a while of being like really yeah we're, yeah. we're just gonna play this nonsense <laughs> right yeah so, yeah give me some tactics exactly okay so you come back to chess two years ago were you even still at your 1200 or had you dipped substantially below that because you hadn't been practicing at all yeah, I, I had dipped. I thought I was going to calibrate like around or above because, you know, as I said, I did some tactics and stuff every now and then. But no, I calibrated like 1200 lead chess, which I'm, I'm pretty sure is below my original 1100 chess.com rating. Um, and yeah, I tried, tried a few things. I tried, uh, I, so I originally got back into it with the woodpecker method. I was oh, like, okay. walking through a bookstore or saw the woodpecker method. And I'm like, this seems really novel and cool. And like, I like that it had kind of like a case study, you yeah. know, being the main author had like done this method and claimed to have huge improvement. The big um, difference, so I did though, that, I did like he's a couple rating points higher than you, my friend. Yeah, yeah, maybe a few. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that book's not as right. easy as um, it claims to be. But go ahead. Sorry. No, it's not. Uh, yeah, I did the beginner tactics, and certainly some of them were mm. above my level. Uh, the ones that were really frustrating was like, you know, I'd see a tactic and I'd be like, but am I really winning at the end of that? And that would actually be the tactic and the solutions. Uh, yeah. But then it would be like, and white has a crushing position. But as a beginner, like I can't identify a crushing position, you know, I'm either up in material or I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Um, so like that was sort of frustrating. Uh, and that's what I actually love about that book is that you're like some tactics okay. you win a queen and some you win not even any material. You're just like, and now right. my knight is centrally <laughs> placed. Which is like <laughs> yeah, a real exactly. game. That's so tough. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, it's probably, yeah, it would probably be good to like come back to that now. Um, but by the third cycle, I was kind of just remembering the solutions and that mm -hmm. I feel it wasn't, you know, super useful. So I kind of dropped that. Um, but it, it was a cool way to come back in, into chess. 
Okay. Um, and then I tried getting a coach. Um, but a coach at, you know, the 1200 Lee Chess rating, there's, there's, I don't know if there's much they can say to you. You know, it's like, well, you're going over your games, like you hung a night, you missed a fork, you like, I don't know, stop doing that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. So didn't find much use uh, from that um, at that level. Okay. Um, what I what I did find useful was a uh, puzzle storm. I ended mm. up like obsessively playing puzzle storm. I okay. think I did like a, like Leechess says I did eleven hundred runs, but they don't count the ones you didn't finish, which was like most of them. Because I keep trying to go for a high score, so if I messed up, you know, I'd restart it. Um, I probably did like fifty runs a day for like two months. Oh my! Uh, and like the first month, I gained like two hundred and fifty rating points. And I wasn't even playing that much. I was mostly just doing puzzle storm. But when I played, I would win because like I was seeing these like these kind of tactics show up like all the time in 1300 games or whatever um so then the second month again like another 100 rating points so like puzzle storm was responsible for like 300 of my like 600 rating point gain in that like six month period um definitely hugely beneficial so basically lee chess should use that as like an advertising method marcus gains 300 points two months (laughs) can you it's just got your face right Okay, yeah, what do you think yeah. it was about Puzzle Storm? Was it just seeing a million tactics and in that are like at your level? Yeah, I think it was that like so I had done like the I go to the I would go to the puzzles tab usually and just do the tactics there. And my puzzle rating was like absurd for my actual like playing strength. It was like mm-hmm. 2300 or something. Um and my playing strength was 1200. So it's like I could do I could calculate really far or whatever. But in my games, you know, I wouldn't know it was a puzzle and I'd miss a simple fork or I wouldn't see a pin or like whatever. Yeah. And so what really helped about Puzzle Storm was that like you get to a point where like in like two seconds, you see the, you know, for simple tactics uh, in yeah. the beginning, like you can get them in like two seconds. And so that means in your games, like you don't even try to look for them. They just pop out at you, you know? Um, okay. And that was really like the, the difference maker, the, just the pattern recognition. That's what I've been hearing from people. When I, when I first got back into chess, I had a coach who told me to do puzzle rush or puzzle storm and i started doing it i was like this is ridiculous like they're too easy at the beginning and then yes they get hard but why am i wasting all this time doing the easy ones and that's exactly what he said right well when you get in a game that's what you won't have to do you won't have to calculate at all you'll just be like fork fork pin right um Yeah. yeah and it's it was harder for me to see it because i was already at like 1500 and so it was more like plugging some holes where i think for you it was like building that foundation that you didn't have yet and and like rushing that foundation and like building it super fast instead of slowly right yeah exactly and i think like there is an argument to be made that like past a certain rating point it kind of like stops being useful at all like once you see you know every single fork that comes up in a game which like you definitely get to at a point like you see every pin you see every like skewer or whatever um then there's then there might not be much of a point because you spend the first minute out of the three minutes of puzzle storm like doing tactics you're going to see every time in the game anyways um Were you hoping? yeah certainly helps to build that foundation <laughs> was or was i hoping it would just keep going you know i could just no no i was just saying you yes. hope you don't miss any of those because it happens right. sometimes yeah. man i had a guy uh, yeah. he was 1800 whomping me he was beating me so bad over the board he brought some friends over to look at the game and laugh with him about how badly <laughs> he was beating me and I could only be mildly offended because he was right. Um, and then two moves later, <laughs> he just put his queen on the same diagonal as his king. And I just kind of went like, Bishop, skewer, nice. I win? And he was laughing yeah. <laughs> no more. 
So very nice. That's all that puzzle rush. Exactly. Uh, it's a it's kind of amazing that it's like these little simple puzzles that you're like, I don't know. When I hit like twelve hundred, I'll stop. These will stop being important in games. And it's like, I don't know when they stop being important because at my right. like yeah. you know, eighteen hundred over the board in a multi hour game, they're still coming up. Like when do they stop coming yeah, up? Well, I don't know. Yeah. That's the question. Okay. So you did yeah, a, I, I mean you still see crazy yeah. Tons so of puzzle rush. This gets you like three hundred points. Is that it? Has your whole journey just been puzzle rush and now you're almost grandma? <laughs> that's it. That's the secret. And I'm I'm gonna keep going with it until I'm twenty eight hundred. Um no, let's see. After that, um I did some opening training, uh, which is like I know very frowned upon by some people. Some people are like, You don't need opening training until you're like two thousand or whatever, just learn some principles um i don't know but it feels like somebody like learning tennis and being like should i learn a kick serve or a flat serve and then being like you just need an underhanded serve until you're like four or five or something it's like yeah but like why would you do that to yourself um so i learned a bit of opening uh and i got these courses on chessable like my first opening course for white and my first opening course for black like it's Mm -hmm. titles of the courses um Mm -hmm. and they were like very small courses relative to like some of the lifetime repertoires or whatever they only have like 200 variations but it's kind of like a full repertoire and uh, I stopped falling for like all the various, you know, opening traps or whatever, because it at least gets you past move five. And like, yeah. I could feel confident playing those first five moves, which was huge. Cause like before I was like nervous about every move in the opening and spent two minutes in the first 10 moves and like eliminating that uh, helped a lot. Yeah, I, I agree. <clears throat> I agree with both sides of this camp. I agree that under whatever rating it is, I don't know what number it is. You shouldn't buy Geary's lifetime repertoire of the Nidorf and drill it for 10 hours a day. Right. But I also agree that there gets to be a point, I think pretty early, where you want to have that confidence that, like, I sort of know my response to E4, right? Like, I'm going to play the C6, D5, and it branches, and I kind of have some ideas. I haven't spent hundreds of hours memorizing all the ideas, but I, I have an idea of where we are going rather than just being like, I heard take the center. Uh, like, I only, I feel like that only. <laughs> yeah, <did>. right, right. <laughs> yeah, so I'm with you on that one. So, so how deep did you go into your opening uh, prep? Um, I, I think I was very reasonable about it at that, at that point. Uh, I've since become less reasonable about it because it's just so easy to work on openings that I like sometimes yeah. prefer it. But um, I was, no, I was very reasonable back then. I did uh, all, like I studied it an hour a day for like a few weeks and I like completed the two courses. Uh, and then like besides reviewing it, I like never touched openings again for like six months or something. Like uh, yeah. I was like pretty, I was like, you know, told myself, you know, I'm not going to touch this stuff. Like it's not going to give me more uh, return on investment yeah. or whatever. But, yeah. That, that does sound like a very reasonable approach. You get your repertoire, and then you move on, and you study the one million other things you're bad at at chess. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So yeah, yeah. what caused you to eventually go, no, 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 I'm going deeper with my openings. Like, was there a rating level you hit? <laughs> was there a bad day you had where you were like, oh, I need something different? Like, what happened? Uh, yeah, pretty soon I decided that I didn't like a couple of the openings that they recommend. So like against D4, they recommend the Albin counter gambit, uh, which is like super fun. If people play into it, you get like a weird, like tonight, like a night promotion that like wins a queen. It's like crazy. And I thought I was going to really love it, but you never get that. Um, people don't play into that, uh, at least at the level I was playing. Um, and so like, I I quickly decided a few of the lines I didn't like, but I was like, no, I'm going to stick, like, I'm not going to learn new stuff. 
But then I'm like, oh, it'd be cool to play the King's Gambit. I saw some Daniel Nieroditsky speedrun videos about Smith Mora, and I'm like, oh, Smith Mora looks really good. So yeah. at one point, I just went back on my word and was like, I'm going to spend a ton of time learning about Smith Mora and the King's Gambit. Okay. Yeah. And I guess my question is, in doing so, do you feel like you learned about chess? Or did you mostly just learn about those openings? That to me is like the trick. Like if you can learn about chess, right. then it feels more worth it. Yeah, no, I think I was just learning those openings. Like I don't think overall that uh, helped my chess improvement to be switching up openings all the time. And I've switched up a ton. Like against E4, I've tried the Scandi. I've tried Nidorf. I've tried E5. Like, uh, and that, none of that, you know, overall helped my chess, I don't think, you know. Okay. I guess here's my my big question then. Why switch so often? I don't know. I think I just, it's just, it's very easy to learn openings, which I think is like why this like advice gets proliferated against like don't learn openings because it's so easy to like, just like, just do that. Cause it's like memorizing like flashcards or whatever, as compared to like actually stretching yourself with like complicated tactics or like weird end game positions or whatever. Uh, mm -hmm. So when I'm just like my, I'm like brain dead after a day of work or whatever, it's so easy to just like learn a few more lines of the King's Gambit or whatever, you know? Um, so I think that's kind of it. Okay. Yeah. It's that knowledge versus skill in chess where you can, you can gather all this knowledge and if you can't right. use it as a skill, it's kind of like, what is it doing? And uh, yeah. And especially at the lower levels, you can gain a lot of knowledge and openings that you never get to use. Right. Cause you're like, I learned this line 26 yeah. moves deep. And they're like, good news on move three. I do not know what the right move is. And I'm going <laughs> to play this oddball move. And you're like, Dang it. Right. And it'll be a total blunder, but it doesn't matter because you can't take advantage of it because you're not that good at that level. Uh, uh, yeah. I think that knowledge versus skill distinction is like super important and like uh, not one I appreciated enough for a long time because I would be like reading, you know, all these chess books and mm -hmm. uh, there's just, it's just not, um, I didn't need more knowledge, you know, about like in what specific scenarios is a knight better than a bishop or whatever when like, you know, I was falling for tactics all over the place. Yeah, I still wonder, like, if I, let's uh, see, I, I'm I'm 1698 USCF. I thought I was going to hit 1700. Nice. That's another story for another day. But I'm almost, I'm almost at that level. And I think that if I had the choice between studying every day for an hour for the next six months or just playing over the board one game 30 a day for the next six months, I would probably get a million times better just playing over the board just one game playing. a day. Yeah, because yeah. I, I feel like I, I have totally agree. Yeah. I have all these books I've read and all this knowledge floating around in my brain. And I think it's, I think really where I'm at is trying to turn that into skill. But it is, like you right. said, it's it's like, for some reason for me, it's kind of more rewarding to pack more knowledge in there. And then I technically know more stuff. Like, I learned this right, thing. Right. It's like, did you though? Or do you just know about it and you can't actually use it in your game? I don't know. So that's the tricky part. Exactly. Of yeah, yeah. I've been stunned by like how much you like degrade by not playing for a while. You know, I didn't play for like six months or so. And like, I dropped 150 rating points, like, like straight, like didn't win a game. And then uh, it took me like three months to get back to where I was. Uh, and so like, yeah, just, just lost the like the skill I get a little bit you know just rusty which yeah. is surprising given that it's like you would think it's so knowledge-based or whatever but uh yeah not that's the case. a great point yep because you still probably had most of that knowledge my problem was I took almost 20 years off and a lot of my knowledge was gone but it, the funny thing is I was a yeah. king yeah. player 
and a Nidorf player. And so I came back just using those openings that are super sharp and I had no idea how to do them. I was just like, A6 uh, yeah, yeah. to the Nidorf. And I was like, I don't really know what I do from here, but I got my A6. <laughs> right. <laughs> it didn't go that great. All right. So you've been doing a lot of Puzzle Rush. Um, you started working on your openings. Where is that? Where did that get you? Do you feel like your initial opening work plus Puzzle Rush? What rating is that taking you to? Yeah, so that took that was around like sixteen fifty, I'd say after after all that. Um, wow. And it's hard to say what brought me up to to eighteen hundred at the final stretch there because I was just kind of throwing everything at it and uh, not really taking any sort of scientific approach. I was, you know, doing opening practice. I was doing end game work on chessful. I was playing guess the move on chess tempo, reading books, like uh, mm. you know anything I could think of. Um, one thing that uh, did stand out a bit was. Uh, aim chess has this like blunder preventer thing and it'll show you two moves and it'll be like yeah. one of these is a blunder one of these is the best move like which one is which um and that actually like seemed to really like flip a switch in my brain where like i actually spent some time you know trying to refute a move from my own side which like i didn't really do before i kind of just like play a move and then as soon as i played it i'd be like that's a blunder um right. so it was like it was a really kind of night and day difference uh which, which helped a lot there um so that was at least part of of that next uh step from like 1650 to like 1800 ish um yeah. yeah that's really interesting i'm glad you said that because i'm um i just put a tweet up the other day about like anyone have any good books for getting a system for calculation because i realized i feel mm. like i'm okay at calculating but it's just kind of like i just randomly calculate like wherever my brain takes me i kind of let it go right um and pump up your rating has a has a nice section about calculating and and just what you said falsifying your falsifying the move right and like really taking right. that time and going like this is the move i think i want to make what are not only the obvious moves my opponent might do but like what are the weird moves like are there some weird things uh, i should right. even look at right like what if they just took with their queen it looks absurd but might there be something beneath that and um he showed a grandmaster this position and he recorded his thoughts. And mm -hmm. it was so interesting because it was like, he went through a reasonable process that I thought I was following something similar. And then when mm -hmm. he settled on his move, he circled back and for like five minutes was like, what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? And when he determined huh. none of those moves refuted his move, then he was happy with his move. Whereas the way I do it, I'm just like, this move <laughs> seems bad. This one seems bad. This one seems good. And I like calculate a little bit. And, I, and not only is it good, now I'm a genius for finding the move. <laughs> and then I just happily make it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then my opponent's like, right. do you even look at any of my encounters? And I'm like, no. I look at <laughs> right. obviously terrible moves, and they are terrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What about these three decent ones? <laughs> I did not look at any of those, actually. No, let's not consider those. Those hurt to, to think about. So we're not going to think about those. Yeah, my coach yeah. gets on me about that. He's like, I don't understand how you calculate their bad moves and not their good ones. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if it's like, right. like, like wishful thinking or something. And I think part of yeah. it at yeah. my level, I almost feel like I can mind trick people into playing the bad move. Because he'll be like, yeah. okay, what did yeah. you calculate here? And I'm like, I calculated the only move, this. And he's like, that is not the only move. That is a terrible move. And I'm like, really? Because my opponent also <laughs> thought it was an only move. Right. 
Right. You can kind of count on your opponent thinking along the same lines as you, you know, if you're around the same level. Exactly. Yeah. Like if I think it's an only move, then he's not going to find this other move. And he's like, well, there were three other moves. Right. Well, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's yeah, I think I'm a, I'm, yeah, I'm still at some like variant of hope chess where I'm not like counting on them playing the, uh, the worst move. But if there is a worse move that like, you know, wins the game for me and I can't see like a total reputation, like I'm not going to lose a piece by playing this move. Right, right. Then like, I, my best judgment says not to, but I play it anyways. Right, right. You're like, yeah. I'm give them the opportunity to make the bad move. I'm not hoping. It's just an opportunity. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then they play, you know, the obviously like good move and, you know, I'm just like not losing after it, but uh, yeah. slightly worse than I was before I tried that bad strategy i feel like mine is more insidious because i don't think i'm playing hope chess and i think i'm playing the objectively best move and i've looked at their best moves and i haven't and that's that's really tough it's like i i don't know that that's why it was like maybe i need to really kind of start over in my calculation process and and try to figure out Mm. an actual process instead of just like celebrating my genius as part of my process that's the other thing I do. Right. I do this yeah. hilarious thing where I build whole narratives where I'm like, all right, I'm going to go here, I'm going to go here, then I'm going to go here, and then I'll stop and be like, wow, that is a really good set of moves. <laughs> yeah. Like, wow, that's going to be amazing. If it's not good, I'm like badgering myself the whole time. Like, how did you get here? Like, what are we doing? And it's like, all right, that none of that matters. Just find a good move and move on with your Right, life. yeah. Yeah, wow. it's it's tough uh, thinking of what your opponent will play though, because like I often do this where like uh, I'll go on a Facetime call with my friend that's much better than me that I was mentioned before, and we'll do tactics together. And uh, I find that like the difference is is not how much we can calculate or a visualization or whatever. It's that he will like kind of immediately see what the opponent's like best response will be. Like he's got kind of an intuition for like, and same with with what our first move will be. Just the intuition for like what to look at is yeah. so much better. So it's it's not like he can build a better tree or whatever he just prunes it much better you know yeah, we don't need to think so. about that or this this move is obviously bad that sort of stuff yeah that's and, hard and to develop finding uh, the right branch like you didn't even see that branch that was hidden within the tree and he's like no no that's actually the most important right thing. we need we need to really yeah do. exactly yeah yeah those are the challenges um okay so it sounds like the blunder checker on aim chess is helping with that that's pretty great yeah um yeah that definitely helped okay uh, uh, I yeah, have then, used uh, as well for that kind of stuff. And I will say that you can always also use the call do- the code DR Dr. Skull 30 and sign up for aim chess and get a discount. All like, right. That's a pretty good nice. I let my membership expire. So that's, there that's you a good go. tip. Look at that opportunity you just created for yourself. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My daughter likes to retry your mistakes quite a bit. But to be clear, not uh, that's for her nice, games. Yeah. That's painful. She likes to do it for my game okay. so that she can then be like, uh, I wouldn't have made that mistake. Right. Insane. I wouldn't have. <laughs> yeah, look at me getting all the positions you got wrong. I got them right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so hilarious. the wonder checker seems to have helped. Anything else pop out? And and if not, I guess let's try to get to like how much time did you spend on each of these elements? Or were you just like randomly going like today I'll look at some end games? That was boring. Today, I'll look at some strategy. <laughs> How, how'd that go for you? Um, 
Yeah. So like, uh, yeah. So the only additional thing I did after all this was like, finally went around when I'm around 1800, I tried yet again to get a coach. Uh, and I was finally seeing a lot of value from it at that level. Um, cause now my games aren't so much decided by just hanging pieces or simple forks or whatever. Uh, so I found this coach on Twitter. His name is Wail Atie. Um, oh, okay. he's from Lebanon. Um, super good. I don't know if you've seen him crop up on like the chess punks, you know, kind of sphere on Twitter or whatever. But uh, he's got a daughter that's like incredible. I think talk about his daughters a lot, and and you know yeah, I, have I think a she's like top well. in her age group or something. Yeah, it seems like yeah. I think he has two daughters that are both like really good at chess. Right, both both incredibly good. But I think one is like top, like number one in her age group, like under eight or ten or something. Oh um, so uh, yeah, so he's uh, obviously been coaching them and obviously doing a good job with that. Um, but in the first session with him, he did uh, an approach that I hadn't really seen with other coaches where like, he went through about a dozen of my games and found like, not the moves that like lost me the game, like not the blunders or not the moves that the engine was like, you lost a few points here. Uh, but the ones that like, were just like inviting more complications than needed. Um, and when you look at like, you know, what should you have played here instead? And like, he would, he would bring these moves up and I'll be like, did I really play that? That looks awful. Like now that we talk about it. Uh, like, yeah. uh, why did I play that terrible move? Um, and just noting these down and like, he's really big about like, you know, writing notes as you're taking the, uh, lesson, just to, like solidify it in your mind, even if you don't look at the notes afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, that's helped hugely, uh, in my like journey now from 1800 to 1900. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. That, I think that helps the knowledge become skill in a way. I I've had that as well. Like if I just read right. the book and I don't take any notes, will I remember it? maybe but just that process yeah. of writing yeah. the notes down of saying like this is the part i think i should remember it kind of tells my brain like wake up dude this is the part where i want you to remember this i'm going to write it down for you make it easier right. and then yeah. we can even review it later if you need it which my brain usually does okay so <laughs> do you feel like it was just the coach exactly. being able to look at your games or was there also some other elements like feeling like you're accountable in some way and making you work more diligently or, or is it basically just like you now have someone looking at your games with you? I was kind of hoping the accountability would be bigger. You know, uh, he, he told me to do some tactics. I'm like, this is great. Cause I will do tactics now that I've got someone like, you know, watching me and like asking me, yeah. but instead it would just be like, he'd ask me every Wednesday, like, have you been doing tactics? And I'm like, no, I have not. Um, I should, <laughs> but I have not. So instead of accounting, it was just shame. Um, but uh, no, it's I don't want to say just, you're the I've worst just been playing ever, a lot of games. But, <laughs> yeah. but you're not on. listening to anything I've told you to do. <laughs> do three tactics. Exactly. No, I will not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you for the advice. No. Oh man, I just got you as a coach because I like you and you're nice. That's the only reason. Okay, <laughs> but but it has been useful having someone yeah. really give you that advice you needed. Okay. Yeah, um, definitely. And he's suggested some more openings and stuff. Uh, he got me to switch off from the King's Gambit finally, which I think was about time. Yeah, we, we looked at some. You know, Lee Chess has those insights, and it's like King's Gambit. You won, and I feel I felt great about my King's Gambit. I was like, I'm doing great with this. And then we look at the insights. It's like you've lost 75 percent of your King's Gambit games <laughs> in the last two months. <laughs> so it's like it's probably time to change. You know. Oh, so King's Gambit is like golf, is what I'm hearing. You get one awesome attack with a King's Gambit, <laughs> and you're like, I'm good at this. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's fair. I'm a little nervous. I it's 
this is going to sound really weird. I was laying in bed last night, just thinking about some Carol Con lines and like how happy I was I switched. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, do I ever win with this opening? Like, I can't even remember ever winning <laughs> with this opening. So now today, <laughs> I'm going to actually go through and like, take a look. Do I actually win with this opening? I, I don't. I don't know if I do or not. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a little bit nervous. <laughs> I must admit, I'm a little bit nervous because when I switched to it, I remember I was tracking it and I was winning with the Sicilian like 60% of the time, which sounds absurd, but you know, at lower levels, nice. it's not so shocking. And of course I was only winning with like 30% with the Carol Khan because I just switched to it and I didn't really fully understand it yet. I'm just hoping that number has gone up. So I'm going right. to feel kind of ridiculous if it's like I had a 60% win rate with an opening and I was like, that's not good enough. Right. And you switched uh, for no reason. Yeah. I never <laughs> yeah. Win. Yeah. Yep. Oh, well, we'll see. All right. Hard well, to tell if that happens, like whether, whether you need to just learn it more or whether, you know, you should go back to what was working. Yeah, I don't exactly. Know. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's funny because a coach was asking me and they're like, so you're switching from the opening you win with all the time. Why? Right. And I explained to him like, well, I spent all this time prepping for the night or I never get it. And they're like, so you get things that you beat. Oh, no. What a horrible right. world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's not a bad point you're making. Um, what kind of resources yeah. have you, you been using then? So you mentioned you use some books, some chessable courses. Let's go through some of these. What were some what were some of these keys? Well, I'm a big book guy. So let's start there. What yeah. books did you like? OK. I'm going to be terrible at remembering the books, but um, let's see. I, I read uh, one of Jonathan Rousen's books. Uh, I think it was Chess for Zebras uh, or no, no, no. It was, I think it was Think First, Move move First, Think Later. Uh, I don't know if it was Jonathan Rousen, but that was one of the books I read. And that was super interesting. He kind of uh, talked about like they did this experiment where they brought a bunch of grandmasters in and had them try to like verbalize their thought process. Uh, and one interesting thing there was like some grandmasters got noticeably worse when they had to like just like verbalize their thought process because <laughs> it's yeah. so like abstract or whatever it doesn't uh and so like he's kind of uh trying to push back against this idea that like you can read a book it can like tell you you know things to think about rules and like how to you know what moves to look for and then then you would be good at playing chess or good at evaluating positions or whatever like it's right. uh too abstract and like when a chess player a good chess player looks at a position they don't evaluate it without looking at what moves are next. You know, they evaluate it by looking at like likely lines and stuff. Um, so it wasn't really an instructive book, but it was kind of uh, warning you away from a whole class of other uh, material, um, which like with my experience, I kind of agree with like what he's saying. I like I read uh, how to reassess your chess and I was probably mm -hmm. too low rated to get much out of it. But, uh, you know, I just had knowledge after that and uh, it didn't really, I think, help my play in a concrete way. The, mm -hmm. the way like you know practicing the skill does by doing tactics or whatever right um let's see I, I did a bunch of like i did more chessable courses than i did actual books um i did like 100 end games you must know you know just to get some basic ideas of like opposition oh. and you know pawns and which are drawn and not um how far did you get uh, in did, that? It... did you do the whole thing or just kind of like that no starter section okay. just like the starter section okay. yeah um and then I did like a free end game course that was like even uh, even more basic stuff, but it was something you could complete, you know, in a couple of weeks, realistically. Yeah. Um, and then I did a handful of opening courses, like I bought Nepo's King's Gambit course. I did the like, you know, starter course for like white and black that I was talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. um, 
and then a couple like uh, tactics kind of courses. Um, just uh, oh, uh, uh, speaking of the calculation thing that you were talking about, there was like a calculation for tournament players. I think it was called, um, yeah. but it's like he gives this kind of like step by step how you should evaluate a position, and he kind of like. I mean, you could skip it, but you're kind of forced to do it with each. Uh, he like asks you like, okay, what's the material count? Like, uh, mm -hmm. what are the advantages for white? What are the advantages for black or whatever? Um, and I do think that kind of helped. Uh, and maybe that became a bit of an automatic part of my thought process after doing that for a little bit. So that was a good one. Yeah, I've heard that recommendation from a lot of people. And it's funny because I have that book and I have used it. <laughs> and I don't know, for oh, some reason, I was okay. like, yeah. I was like, yes, this helps me, but it's not like, um, I don't know. I guess I was, I was wondering, is there something like what Kotov talks about where it's like, he has a very specific method that all grandmasters have basically said is wrong, but still it's a method. And there's, is there right. like, have we discovered the right method? And, and it seems to be the answer is no, but yeah, that, that chest, uh, what's it called again? Uh, calculation for tournament players maybe yeah. okay yeah calculation that, though. yep yeah it, that's a really good course i started going through it again just to look at it he's got his burger method and i think i think it is a methodology that he's putting out that's just not quite as rigid uh as some that i that i've seen that usually aren't that great but yeah so i i, I agree i think that's a really good one if you're looking to work on calculation that's a great place to go um yeah, yeah. So, okay, so so we're looking at the calculation course, some openings repertoire courses, uh, 100 endgames you must know, getting the basics down. How confident do you feel with endgames? Yeah. Uh, it's definitely one of my weaknesses. Uh, I just uh, just did one of those aim chesses, like analyze your, your scouting report, I think they call it, and it gives <laughs> yeah. you kind of a score for everything. I don't know how much faith to put in that, but... Uh, yeah, it was like openings are great, like tactics are great, uh, end games you you are terrible. Um, it gives you like out of a hundred or whatever, and I'm like twenty out of a hundred on on endings. So it's something I really have to work on. Um, I haven't found like uh, the ideal way to practice it. I think I've heard chess tempo is good. It'll just set you up with like a random end game, and you just have to like try to win it, and it'll tell you if you ever like get into a lost position or something. Um, I don't know. How do you go about end game practice? I tried chess tempo and i don't like to say negative things about things i haven't used very very often and i'll just say my experience mm -hmm. with, it, with it was that i had to play to mate and i was like trying to go through the different okay. like, levels and i was like i don't want to play to mate on all of these like once i make my queen right. that's fair we have established already in one of the earlier sessions that i can mate with a queen and king and I, right. there might even be options there right of like to select once you hit the queen, you stop. I don't, I don't really. Right. Maybe. I haven't yeah. But that. that sounds like it would be frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. So I was kind of like, mm, okay, but yeah, I guess the bulk of my work has been, um, Silman's end game course got me the basics kind of like what you were talking about. Okay. Yeah. Um, end Endgame strategy is just really amazing. And, and I'm going to say, uh, okay, I gotta check that out weird i think it is the first one i don't know maybe the second one is also good but mm -hmm. i really like the first one and i got the i got the new one on chessable and i got the video for it and it's basically just shanklin saying like sharashevsky is usually wrong 
and mm-hmm. the opponent had a good move here that they didn't make, and if they had, his example's pointless. And what's interesting okay. is, I agree, if you're like 2,600, that is very important to know. But for me, right. I'm just getting like the basic concepts of like, right, right. Rooks, kings in the center. And so I actually like the simplicity of these examples and how short the book is and how there aren't a million variations. It's just kind of like, look at this cool thing unfold. So yeah, for I don't sure. know. It's very interesting. And and it's not really fair for me to say because I haven't actually read the new book. I was just looking at the um at the videos, but but I found that book to be really quite amazing. Sweet. Is that uh do you know if that's unchessable or is that a physical book? I know the new one is. I don't think the original is. Um there's oh, okay. also gotcha. a course that is basically that course. Um it's called Timeless Technique, I believe. And it's this amazing gotcha, gotcha. endgame course that's set up just like endgame strategy, but with new examples and, and modern authors. So that, that's a really great course. Cool. I did them simultaneously. I would read Cherashevsky's book, and then at night I would lay in bed and do this chessable course, and it would kind of like reinforce it. Nice. So I yeah, highly recommend that, that duo. I think they're fantastic. Um, if there's anything chessable doesn't have, I don't even know. Like You can do any. I feel like I could yeah, just yeah, have chessable and, and be fine. <laughs> but yeah, <Right. laughs> those are the main things. I yeah, do. I and like now I'm like spoiled by interactive, you know, playing chess and like being able to open an engine and see what's going on or whatever. Cause like it's, yeah. uh, I don't know, just annoying now to like have to set it up on a board or like, I don't know. And I, I don't even do that now. Like if I'm reading an annotated game thing, like I know you're supposed to set it up on a board or set yeah. it up on a computer or whatever. I, I don't do that. And I end up like not really getting much out of it. Cause I'm trying to envision it and I'm not succeeding. Right. Yeah. yeah. I always set it up on a board. I just, I feel like, all the chess work I do not on a board, my brain yeah. just struggles to imprint it more. And I think it's that like yeah. tactile thing, moving the piece. I have to go slower, right? right. I have to actually physically pick up the piece and move it and be like, is this the square? This looks weird. No, that's not the square, actually. That would be ridiculous. It's actually this square. Right. Um, yeah. And- that process helps me a lot for some reason. I don't, I'm not saying it's, it's the same for everybody, but for me, like I have forward chess and I love that app and I can mm-hmm. lay in my bed and I can go through games quick. And unfortunately I do right. every now and then I find myself being like six moves later and going, what just happened? And I was like, I don't know. I just hit next move six times. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I totally get what you're saying. I think that tactile uh, component of it is definitely important. I just bought like a, really nice chessboard um just to like motivate myself to uh mm-hmm. to use a physical board and play out the moves and everything um yeah shout out to pileated woodworks this guy james furlong makes these super nice boards uh, i saw a post of his on like the reddit the chess subreddit uh i'm like do you sell these this looks absolutely amazing uh and so i bought it for myself as a birthday present a few weeks ago cool. uh, yeah. yeah i did that last year i asked for a board for some holiday in my family. It was like, really? You you need more chess stuff? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, right. I want to have a really nice board. So I'm kind of motivated to yeah. play with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what I really want, what I really want is a beautiful DGT board that I can just play. But that's kind of hard oh, to justify. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> like, do I really how much are those? What's that? How much are they? 
I don't know. Yeah. They're not cheap. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're looking at many hundreds of dollars, but and that's probably not even gotcha, for gotcha. an amazing one. So I don't know. Right. The roll up ones seem nice, but like that kind of defeats the point of what I want, which is like a really nice, beautiful chest. Right. Yeah. All right. I guess my last questions are over the board. I have not heard anything about going to a chess club going to a chess tournament do you play any over the board chess i've barely played over the board chess uh sometimes when i'm with my friends to play chess you know we'll, we'll break out a board uh i was in new york city for a couple months ago this year and i went to a couple chess meetups uh played some chess it was fun uh and like to meet people that play chess and stuff um but i wouldn't say i like uh see it uh, i think a lot of people have like like uh romanticize it or whatever like think it's the more proper form of chess or whatever uh, and i'm not like itching to go play tournaments or whatever i don't you know like crave getting like a nice v-day rating or whatever um so if, if the opportunity comes up i think in the future to like play some tournaments for fun or whatever i'd definitely be open to it um but yeah it's not something i've prioritized yeah gotcha so you haven't made yeah, sense i definitely like over the board is real chess and everything else is just training for that or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it feels just as real playing online. And I think uh, at this point, I'm also just a bit handicapped playing over the board because all my pattern recognition is 2d at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll often actually just miss stuff over the board. Uh, just not used to the 3d thing. I'm sure that's something that would pretty quickly get fixed by playing some more over the board, but uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, this will change once I start using my new board that I got, but yeah. yeah that's what I was going to say. I feel like the way that I made that, transition smoother is looking at annotated games with an actual board and then i have puzzles right. i do that are like deeper puzzles where i have to sit there and stare at them for 10 15 minutes and and still get them wrong usually but that's fine i accept that um but then it's like you know <laughs> yeah. you're really visualizing the 3d moving around more than you do on the computer which is you know visualizing the 2d moving around so highly recommend that to anybody yeah, who's thinking sure. i'm gonna play my first tournament Marcus is right. You need to practice 3D first. <laughs> yeah. 